One of my desires as a pastor is that each and every one of us would walk in God's power and plan for your life right now. God doesn't live in time and space. God is eternal. Everything in God's world is now. He doesn't have yesterday. He doesn't have tomorrow. He only has now. He sees everything. He's the beginning and the end. What does that look like in our life? This is the Now Principle with Pastor Chris Gleason, lead pastor of Revolution, a four-square church that meets in Harvard Square, Cambridge, Mass. Join us today as we step into the Now Principle with Pastor Chris, where we ask the question, what will you let God do right now? How many of you, uh, as Aubrey asked you, saw some kind of breakthrough in your life this week? Be it ever so small, there was something that uh, God did and broke through in your life. Uh, if, As I mentioned earlier, if you haven't been with us, uh, we uh, started 21 days of prayer and fasting on Monday. We're going to finish on uh, two Sundays from today on October 23rd. And this past week we were believing for breakthrough in our lives, the life of our family, and the life of our friends. Now understand, that doesn't stop today. You know, we're, we're going to look at some other things this coming week, but that we continue to believe for that. It's really a starting point, not an ending point. It's believing God to do what only God can do. We're in the middle of a series called The Now Principle. If you haven't been here, the whole, uh, princ- the whole basic idea is that God doesn't live in our time and space. He sees everything as now. And so in the same way, He wants us to live now. As human beings, we can oftentimes, I mean, I've lived a few years now, and so you can live life looking backwards, or you can live life looking forward, wishing what would have been different or what will be, but God only knows now. And actually, between you and me, you will never live in yesterday or tomorrow. It's impossible. You can only live in today. So you can waste your time living in what could have been or what might be, but it is a waste of time because you have nothing to do with it. The only thing that you have before you is now. And it's what God really challenges us to is what are we going to allow Him to do in this moment? Not someday, not somewhere, but now. And so we've been talking about that. We started off talking the series about a word in Hebrew called Shema, which is the word for obey. And it means to hear, to listen, and to obey. And that we talked about that, that it's what God calls us to, to break us down, that we would submit our lives, our wills to Him. So that when God says, move, we move. When God says, stop, we stop. When God tells us to go, we go. Now, how many of you know that's a really challenging way to live your life? Because most of us are so self-centered, we're so egocentric, that we just know what we need to do every day. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, the first person I think about is me, right? Don't look, don't look at me that way. You do the exact same thing. <laughs> How many of you just run out of the, uh, the house in the morning and you don't even look at yourself in the mirror? Probably not many of you. Oh, all right, we got one. You should start. No, <laughs> just kidding. You know, it is the beauty of being a guy because you can just throw on a hat and kind of run out, but... The reality is, is we wake up every day thinking about ourselves. And so God challenges us that we would actually choose to submit ourselves to His plan for our life rather than our own. To His view of the world instead of our own. 
And again, you know what? I walk through life and there's some people I like, there's some people I don't. And quite frankly, I'd rather hang out with the people I like and not with the ones I don't. But God doesn't let us get off that easy. He challenges us to love everyone as what? Ourself. And even a person that would say they're just wallowing in self-pity. Guess what the first word was in that? Self-pity. Even somebody that's just focused and man, I, I can't stand life and everything else, they're still focused on themselves. They're just opposite sides of the same coin. One is arrogance and ego. The other one is self-pity and loathing. But they're the same coin. It all focuses on me. And so God challenges us that we would choose to live antithetical to our natural thinking and be Him-focused and then other-focused. Well, we started two weeks ago looking at that this is now the time, now is the time to engage in the battle. And we've been talking about that. And if you didn't realize that there's a battle rolling on around you, be aware that there is. Now, again, it's not people, you know, with in you know black suits running around like ninjas trying to take you out, but it's a spiritual battle. And in the same way, the enemy is trying to take you out. And so many times, again, we get focused on the things that we can see. So we're missing what's going on in the spiritual reality. Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Some of you have heard me use this illustration before, but every time I read that verse, I, I have a picture from a movie. Now, some of you have been around long enough that you probably may guess. Anybody, any guesses on what that movie is? Braveheart. Very good, Laura. But it's a very specific scene. And if you've seen the movie or you've heard about it, the whole idea is that the uh, Scottish people are fighting for freedom. And William Wallace has become their unappointed leader. And they're, they're, they're standing against all the forces of England coming at them in a valley, and, and they can't win. I mean, they've got this mounted cavalry that they know is going to come charging at them, and so there's no way they can win. But there's something that they've decided. He had this crazy idea, and he thought, maybe there's a way to do it. And if you've seen that scene, it shows that the cavalry, the horses are coming down on them, and they're running across this uh, open pasture. You see the, the nostrils flaring of the horses, And then you hear the voice of William Wallace. And he simply says, Hold! And the horses are coming closer. They're galloping as fast as they can across this valley. And again he says, Hold! And the horses look like they're just about ready to run right over the top of them. And again he says, Hold! And you're going, these guys are just going to get trampled by these horses. And again, he says, hold! And I mean, these horses are just feet away from them. And then at the last moment, if you've seen it, they, they raise these huge long sticks 
to, you know, which is kind of bad. There were really no horses hurt in the movie, okay? But to impale the horses so that they can actually take them down. But the picture in my mind is when Paul says, when you've done everything, stand. Or in the words of William Wallace, hold. Because there are times in our life when it seems like the enemy is just running and it's over. That we've got nothing. That it's just, I mean, our back is to the wall. But see, when we're standing in the strength of the Lord, we're not standing in our own strength. We're not standing in our own ability. Because let me tell you, in your own ability, Satan can beat you up like a puppy dog. He can just take you and wring your neck. But in the Spirit, when we stand in who Christ is and what He's done, He's got nothing. He has got nothing. It's, it's like, I mean, is there anybody in here that's ever been afraid of one ant? I mean, have you ever seen one ant and you, you were petrified? I mean, you just ran across the room, you, you know, like, ah! No, you'd be going, that's crazy. Why? Because you are so much bigger than an ant. I don't care if it's a fire ant from wherever fire ants come from that kills people. If it's one ant, it's got nothing. And understand that when we stand in Christ, walking in the Spirit, that's what the enemy's like. It's not like there's, you know, here's Satan and here's Jesus. It's like Jesus, and then there's this like microscopic ant down there somewhere, is Satan. See, sometimes we kind of put them on par with each other. They're not, they're not even close. And I want to encourage you that if, if you are walking through this and you've really chosen to give up something to sacrifice, whether that's food, whether that's coffee, whether that's social media, whatever that is, and, and walk through this, stick to it. Because the enemy will try to convince you it's not worth it, it's nothing's happening, there's absolutely nothing going on. But the most important thing is that we trust that God is in control. So if you, if you just joined us today, you're welcome to uh, come on board. You, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to you jump in here. We've got 14 days left. You, you can uh, certainly join us. We're uh, striving to have t- people praying 24 hours a day for the 21 days. We've still got a few hours. I think there's actually about nine hours in the day where we don't at least know that there's somebody praying. So if that's something you'd like to, you can uh, email Lori. Uh, there's, uh, I think all the information's in the bulletin, or you can sign up over there. We'd love to have you be a part of that. So last week we were talking about that we engage the enemy through prayer and fasting. And so we have engaged. Let me tell you, man, we have engaged. We're, we're, if you weren't in the battle before, you're in the thick of it now. You've engaged. If you said, Lord, I'm going to commit to do this. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. Then you are, you're in it. And, and we're in it to win it because it's already won. And so understand that there's, this is where our strength comes from. Again, I don't have the strength I need to do much of anything. I mean, I, I'm a weak man. I, I, don't, I don't have the strength I need to be a good husband, to be a good dad, to be a good pastor. I don't have it. But Paul writes, and we understand this is a promise, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we looked at the story with Jesus in Matthew 4 when he started his ministry. He went out for 40 days into the wilderness, fasted from everything, food, water, everything for 40 days. And that's when the enemy, the devil, came to tempt him. 
And the devil had no power, man. Jesus just took him out like he was a, a, you know, a two-year-old kid because he was strong in his spirit even though he was weak in his flesh. I want to challenge you. There have been some times this week, man, I have been weak in my flesh. A couple days, actually even this morning, I, would just, I went through most of the day lightheaded and feeling all kind of funky, and I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to give me the strength to do it. There's something that happens when we choose. We make disciplined choices to serve God, to minimize our flesh. So if you are, maybe you're even you were, you've been here, but you're like, ah, I don't know, man, I don't know. Step into the water, man. Step into the water. You know, Peter always gets a bad rap because he stepped out and walked on the water for a few steps and then he sunk. But Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. So understand, there's something where you got to engage. And that's the whole thing here is you have to engage. And one of the ways we engage the enemy is get serious about our spiritual walk. Spending time fasting and praying. I'm telling you, it won't get easier because the enemy will realize, oh, you're serious. And so the enemy will come after you. But let me tell you what, you're going to get strong. And you're going to see God show up in ways like even that was just shared here. Ways I've seen in my life, the ways many of you have seen in your life. And you're going to see him show up and all of a sudden... Your faith will grow. And the next time the enemy tries to come at you that way, you're going, don't even bother. Don't even try. I've seen that. That's what Paul says. Then you'll be able to know the devil's schemes. I've seen you play that one on me before one too many times. It's not going to happen today. I'm going to focus on the Lord. and The Lord's going to give me the strength. In Galatians 5, 16 and 18, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So understand, we're getting strength in our spirit by denying our flesh. Paul tells us that the flesh is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. So when we just take care of the flesh, our spirit's not getting fed. But when we feed our spirit, our flesh isn't getting fed. And whichever one we feed the most is the one that will win. So you might get saying, okay, I've been doing that. Man, I've been, I've been fasting. I've been seeking God. I've been praying. I've been, I mean, I've been going after it. So what's next? Well, this is where our strength comes from. But for what? What do we need strength for? Well, to stand against the enemy, one... But then it's to actually go against the enemy. It's to take the fight to the enemy. Understand, they always, you know, they say, you know, good defense wins football games. You know what? You still got to score some points. I've never seen anybody win a game zero to zero. If you don't have some offense, you will not win. Let me tell you, it's not just about standing to defend the enemy, it's to attack the enemy. God has given us weapons. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, the weapons that we have are not weapons that are carnal. They're to use to demolish strongholds, to take down and knock down the things that the enemy sets up. Because the enemy sets things up before us and they look impenetrable. He has the ability to make things look like they're a solid brick wall. Most of us probably know the story of Jericho. How did God take that down? What you may not know is there were two walls in the city of Jericho. Each of them were 10 feet thick. Get this, 10 feet thick. Okay, I'm 6'4". So that's like over one and a half of me thick. 
One wall was 20 feet high. The other one was 30 feet high and circled the whole city. These were not just a wall that holds this building up. I mean, these are serious walls. And what did God do? He brought them down with a shout. Understand, there is nothing that the enemy has, no matter how big he makes it look, that stands up to the Word of God. Nothing. So my whole point today, and what I want to talk about, is the second point is engage the battle zone through a lifestyle of love. In any war, there are people who find themselves as victims in the midst of the battle. I mean, right now we've got a number of wars going on in uh, Afghanistan and Libya and Iraq. And there are people that are just walking around, living life, that find themselves victims of it all the time, every day. So what's the purpose of our soldiers going into those places? It's to free the people who don't want to be at war. They just want to be able to live a life. The reason they go in there, you know, we used to live, you've heard me tell before, next to Camp Pendleton. It's the largest Marine base in the United States. And we would hear these stories all the time. A lot of times, all the stories you hear from the media are just negative about what's going on there with the military. But the Marines that would come back, they would say, every time we walk through anywhere, in Iraq, Afghanistan, people come up to us day after day thanking us for being there. Because without us being there, their lives would be worse. Understand in the spirit the same thing. There are people out there, everybody's in this battle. Just because you don't see it, just because you don't realize it, just because you don't recognize it, doesn't mean it's not true. So what are we supposed to do about it? Our assignment is to bring freedom in Christ's name. See, our assignment, I get that assignment. See, when you're a soldier, you get assignments. I'm not talking a homework assignment, you know, write this paper, do these equations, do that. No, I'm talking about an assignment that makes a difference. And our assignment is to walk as Jesus in the world. I love the book of James because James is a pragmatist. In chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and then just walked away and go, okay, wait, what do I look like? I, 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 man, I can't remember. Do I have blue eyes or do I have brown eyes? You know, do I have blonde hair or do I, you know, of course not. And he says, that's what the person is like who hears the word of God, but doesn't do it. It says, it's as crazy as someone who looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and goes, what did I look like? And yet so many times we hear what the word of God says, but we don't do it. 
I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody. Why? See, when we're striving to walk as those who have submitted our wills to our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, since we're engaging the Spirit through prayer and fasting, then it's time that we walk out into the street to see people set free. That's the purpose. That's why our spirit needs to get stronger. That's why we submit ourselves to God's heart and His will. Not just so that we'll feel better about ourselves and our life will be cool. It's like, I'm going to heaven. Sorry, dude. No, it says that we would then become the ambassadors of grace. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus is in the synagogue. And it says, they hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what we're called to. That's what you and I, it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. You go, man, I don't feel like it. It's true. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, it says the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He calls us to go out into the world, to share the good news. Can you imagine, would there be anything greater than somebody who their entire life has been blind being able to give them sight? Somebody who has been in captivity, been in prison their entire life and be able to free them? That's what we're called to do. Is that not a cool job? Is that not an amazing job? I mean, is that not something that should get us excited? Because that's one thing when somebody is physically imprisoned or physically blind, but when they're spiritually blind, when they're spiritually deaf, when they're spiritually in bondage, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the way it affects every day of every life. I have friends who are blind but know Jesus, and you know what? They're okay. Because they can see the things that matter. I know people who are in prison, but they know Jesus, and they're okay. Because they're no longer in bondage to sin. They're no longer in bondage to the things that have kept them down. Jesus, man, Jesus, he he would like throw out the uh, gauntlet to people. In Matthew chapter 5, this is probably one of my most unfavorite Parts of Scripture. Because it's so difficult. In verse 38 of chapter 5, Jesus says this, You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I get that. You hurt me, I hurt you. And that's the way it went. If you took out somebody's eye, they got to take out your eye. You hurt me, I get to hurt you. Now that makes sense. You betray me, I get to betray you. But then Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. 
Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your enemy and, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, e- are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You've been listening to The Now Principle with Pastor Chris Gleason, the radio ministry of Revolution Church, where we are committed to being grounded in His Word and empowered by His Spirit. We invite you to visit us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., We meet at Leslie University's Brattle Campus in the Washburn Lounge, located at 10 Phillips Place, Cambridge, Mass. If you would like prayer or more information, call 617-441-0777 or visit hearlistenobey.com. This is a listener-supported program, and if you would like to partner with us, we invite you to go to hearlistenobey.com as we stand for God's Word and God's Spirit in Harvard Square. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Revolution Church. Thank you for listening to The Now Principle. We would like to personally invite you to join us for Easter service at 10.30 a.m. We meet at 10 Phillips Place in the Washburn Lounge on Leslie University's Brattle Campus. Go to hearlistenobey.com for more information. We hope to see you soon.